it up. It's D. Just me. Just D. And welcome to D's Corner, where we dissect, dissertate, and discuss different topics that interest me, D. But wait, where's Low? Oh my gosh. Where's Low? Where'd that, where'd that deep voice fella go? Did you kill him? What? Cause I didn't fucking, I didn't fucking come on to here to listen to some fucking dude without low, just talk about shit that I don't fucking care about. I subscribed to fucking zero sentiment. So that's exactly what I think I should be getting. Yeah. Right. So no, what? is happening is i'm trying to give you guys a little bit of um i guess filler content mm, i really wouldn't call it filler content more like just a holdover until the next episode of zero sentiment comes out lo is actually doing his due diligence his research uh for the next topic that we're supposed to be discussing which um i'm gonna keep on under wraps for right now because i know for a fact that that topic is going to be interesting at least i hope so we're pouring a lot of work into that one so we're almost trying to like <laughs> nurse it babysit it until it's ready to actually be released into the world so once that comes out i hope you guys enjoy it so yeah <laughs> Also, um, these are going to be holdovers while uh, Lo and I are also trying to record uh, or find recording times, too, because Lo lives in a different state than I do. You know, I used to live in the same state. We used to live in the same town. We went in school, but, you know, life happens. People move. I moved. Lo stayed, you know, life so yeah while those are being developed you'll be hearing my lovely voice and who knows maybe lo will decide to you know do his own little solo segment who knows but no what i wanted to talk about was something that was kind of near and dear to me you see in the description of the show it mentions that i am the hobbyist artist while lo is the indie writer uh i didn't write that as some sort of bullshit to you know, pat out a description. No, this these are actually things that he and I are both passionate about. Um, I'm passionate about art. He's passionate about literature and writing. And, uh, you know, we sort of vibe in that different way. So I'm going to emphasize the art aspect. So you'll be hearing about 3D rendering, graphic design, uh, animation, uh, anything of that nature will not be spared in this show or in this segment of the show rather D's corner so with that being said today I wanted to talk about something that kind of always used to I don't know bother me well not really bother me but it had me curious for a while you see as I grew up and grew into the artist that I am now <laughs> artist quote unquote I noticed that a lot of people tend to lean towards the anime manga art style. And I always wondered why. And I never really had an answer to it. But stay tuned because you'll hear the revelation at the end. So 
yeah, I always wondered why is it that throughout high school and part of college are these people really infatuated having their drawings look exactly like those of say uh, Miyazaki I guess we could start from as early as childhood because I think part of it might stem towards towards a bias and I will concede that I too probably still to this day fall a little bit under that bias but I'll get into a little bit more detail with that later. So I used to watch a lot of cartoons when I was younger, as do we all. Shit, I still watch them. I love animated movies, certain cartoons, etc. So I grew up watching a lot of cartoons like, you know, the Looney Tunes with Bugs Bunny, Daffy, Porky, Sylvester, Elmer Fudd, Foghorn Leghorn, etc., etc. I used to watch all the, the the Tex Avery block, I think it was called. And I also used to watch a lot of the Hanna-Barbera cartoons, ranging from Scooby-Doo to the Jetsons to the Flintstones to all the way up to the modern ones like Powerpuff Girls and Dexter's Lab, the Gindy Tartakovsky projects. Oh, which reminds me. I definitely have to get into uh, Gendy Tartakovsky in another episode of this little indie <laughs> individual show. Um, so, yeah, I used to watch a lot of uh, Cartoon Network, and I also used to watch a, a lot of Nickelodeon, too. You know, with Cat Dog and Hey Arnold and Rugrats and all those. Right? And they all had something common as far as their art style. They all looked very malleable. A bunch of spindly armed cartoon characters with four fingers, sometimes. Um, either that or anthropomorphized animals, again, with spindly arms and uh, very malleable bodies. Uh, they almost looked like they were made out of clay or just molded out of like clay or like silly putty or what because of the animation principles of squash and stretch, um, which lent those characters their cartoony appearance, you know? And I used to really dig that for a while and it almost influenced my artwork until enter the Toonami block. Toonami was America's youth's introduction to anime proper. Um, it used to come on at around at around five, five o'clock in the evening, right when the kids were home and just getting settled in and just getting their homework done or eating their little afternoon snack or what have you. And I, yeah, or maybe it used to come on a little bit later. I, I don't remember. I think it used to come on a little bit later. I'm going to have to do a, uh, do a little bit of research to see. This is not as prepared as our main show. But Toonami used to come on definitely during the time where the sun was setting. And you're just getting cozy. And then this bombastic fucking cartoon would come on called Dragon Ball Z. Dun, 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 dun. Yeah. Yeah. 
I loved Dragon Ball Z. It was like <laughs> the power fantasy meets gratuitous violence meets um, silly, somewhat helpful morals that people still live by to this day. Dragon Ball Z was the shit. The alternative for girls was Sailor Moon. Um, that was during, during the Great Divide, the Cooties generation. See, fuck COVID. Okay, COVID-19, y'all ain't got nothing against Cooties 99. I, <laughs> nah, Cooties, man. <laughs> the funniest part is, uh, <laughs> I kissed a girl on the cheek when I was, uh, oh man, I was, uh, I was in kindergarten and I kissed a girl on the cheek and she got so mad at me and she, <laughs> she said that I gave her Cooties. <laughs> Oh no. And I made her feel icky. She contracted cooties for me. Uh, I apologize. Uh, but anyway, <laughs> tangent aside, one of the things that intrigued me about that show was the art style because I, up until that point, I'd never seen anything quite like it. Like, these dudes have really like kind of like cartoony faces, but they're built like Superman, but like they're a little bit more kind of like realistic. Um, what everybody now knows as Akira Toriyama's uh, art style, which still to this day, I think is one of the more unique art styles within the anime universe, <laughs> within the many different art styles of anime, of which there, yeah, there are thousands upon thousands but Akira Toriyama had a very unique art style pardon me if I do not know the artist's name for the Sailor Moon art style but that's what uh, the girls likened themselves to for a while so in kindergarten I had this friend G let's call him he was very good at drawing like he was very talented amazing and this kid had a very very strong anime foundation just from watching that show and he would draw characters not only in a Toriyama style like he, he would not only draw the characters from the show uh very accurately in uh, a Toriyama style but he would also draw just other characters like from his head in that art style you know what i'm saying and that shit used to make me jealous i'm not gonna lie because i wanted to get better at drawing and so, by proxy, I picked up the anime art style via trying to compete with this dude who had already kind of like stabled himself as pretty much like the best artist in the grade. Um, yeah, yeah, it was it was a rough time. I was very petty. <laughs> but yeah, by proxy, it took hold of me and I started working at it from there watching endless episodes of Dragon Ball Z, hoping to get uh, just a little bit better at art. And I, I obsessively, I obsessively did it. Like every other, every other night, I would find myself drawing, trying to master this one anime art style. It wasn't until I became 
13, 14. There was a summer where I went down, I went to Florida to take a vacation with my father. And my father had bought me a sketchbook. And during that time, I was also playing a lot more video games than I was actually watching anime. Watching a lot of, uh, watching um, a lot of, a, a lot more uh, gaming centric TV. Because you see, during this time when I was 13, uh, my media consumption changed from just watching primarily cartoons to watching some cartoons, but also tuning into something called G4. G4 was a gaming centric TV station, which I, which blew my fucking mind. You have no idea. Guys, before there were Let's Plays, before there was, uh, you know, YouTube was a big thing. Um, before any of that, before your Twitch streams, before your, um, what do they call them? Video essays. Uh, before any of that, it was G4 TV, which even then it wasn't G4 for a little bit. For a while, it was actually Tech TV, which had maybe like one game review show and then others just like highlighting different consoles and stuff. But G4 kind of like sparked more of my love of video games into me. And basically what I started doing was immersing myself in that world and seeing the variety of different art styles that would make it into uh, different video games. So I went from trying to draw Dragon Ball Z-esque characters, anime-esque characters, to drawing ninjas one day, drawing different anthropomorphized animals via like trying to copy Rare with their uh, cartoonized animals, you know, a la Banjo-Kazooie or Donkey Kong. You know, I would try to draw different types of uh, medieval fantasy looking characters like elves and shit. Driz Dorden, for instance, of Dungeons and Dragons universe fame. The the drow that made it into um, what was that game called? Uh, Baldur's Gate Dark Alliance. In both games, one and two, where he's an uh, an unlockable secret character, and I slowly started gathering different influences, and within that, within my re exploration of these games, I went back to go uh, play my um, PS2 collection, of which I had like a mountain of games by then. By the time I was 13, I had amassed like at least like a collection of like 50 PS2 games, which by the way, I still have and I hope I don't get rid of. I have to I have to go back and get those because those will probably be at least like valuable in some way, if not just for the sentimental value, because I really don't want to sell them. But anyway, I'm going off into a tangent. So I would go back and replay some of my games. Um, and I went back to play my game, Jack and Daxter. Jack and Daxter was a game that I first discovered on a demo disc. Oh, fuck, dude. 
uh, that is another thing that I want to talk about. Hopefully I could actually uh, make this a whole thing with low. Um, but I'm just kind of walking you guys through this um, because it will get back to the topic of hand uh, topic at hand. I haven't forgot about what we're talking about, the anime and manga influences and why people use the same ES art. But anyway, so I had gone back to play Jack and Daxter and I realized that, hey, you remember this whole you exploring different art styles from video games? Yeah, there's there's something called concept art that you could actually delve into. And I was like, holy shit. The reason, the reason why I discovered uh, concept art was back in the PS2 game, uh, PS2 days, the PS2 uh, days of gaming, where if you beat certain games with like 100% or you did certain things in the game, you would be able to unlock behind the scenes and concept art of the game that you were playing. Yes, you would actually fucking get rewarded for actually playing the game and you wouldn't have to spend microtransaction money on this shit. Uh, man, <laughs> this is already starting to spark a bunch of ideas. But anyway, again, bear with me. I'm so sorry. This tangent has a point. So while Jack and Daxter, uh, Jack won, Jack and Daxter won, didn't have any really special bonuses or what have you. Jack 2, I believe it was Jack 2. Jack 2, yes, Jack 2 did. Jack, Jacks 2 and 3 did. And I saw the, uh, the artwork and the models didn't even come close to what the artwork uh, was because the artwork was very much stylized. And then I realized that I, I was because I still fell in love with this franchise, but I fell in love with it because the first thing that I saw was like this, these characters with these long ears and these very like bold looking eyes, but they had like different features of uh, cartoons that I really liked, but, and they had all the squashed and stretch of a Looney Tunes cartoon, but at the same time, they had more detail than those uh, cartoons as far as like um, anatomy went. And I was like, dude, I gotta, I gotta figure out who uh, who made this content, uh, yeah, concept art. So, I did a little bit of sleuthing, and I saw that the artist's name is Bob Raffi, and still to this day I have his page favorited on my computer, um, because Bob Raffi was also one of these people who got influenced by manga and anime, but. He did it in a way that almost deviated from any other uh, style that I've ever seen because he has uh, influences from both Japanese and Western art. He hybridized them. He mashed them together in such a way that they still to this day, I don't think anybody could replicate that style of art that he created. I'm not talking about Avatar The Last Airbender either because that's actually purposely trying to look like an anime while retaining like just, you know, American uh, animation tendencies somewhat. Um, no, this is very much a unique art style all its own. And that's what became one of my biggest influences. And from that day on, anytime I drew a stylized character, I remember those 
principles that Bob Raffi kind of introduced to me inadvertently where squash and stretch was okay. Um, it's okay to kind of mash different styles of art together to come up with something all your own, you know? And yeah, I don't even try to replicate his art style because it's it's so unique to him that I can't even do it. But from that day on, from, from that day that I finally had that little uh, revelation, I uh, moved on to high school and kept on with that kind of just hybridization of different styles. Not quite anime, not quite Western, and not quite Bob Raffi. It was D's art style, all his own. And while I was doing that, while I was trying to explore that, other people were leaning super heavy-handedly into anime, into the manga art style. And I always wondered why. Again, we're back to that question. Why? Now, me coming from where they were from, yeah. Part of the reason is there is definitely a bias. There is most definitely a bias towards anime because we were all exposed to it. But I think where I ended up differing and a lot of people didn't is that it almost became like super dominant because during this time in high school clubs were a thing and a lot of the uh kids that i tended to gravitate towards the ones who were artists also happened to be kids who would go to the anime club um and i'm talking about <laughs> the ones who Spoke broken Japanese, ones who came into school with noragi, uh, graphic t-shirts, um, kanji written on their backpacks that they probably didn't know what the meaning was at the time. Um, buying 7-Eleven sushi and, you know, those. We called them, uh, we called them weeaboos. Uh, yeah, they are an interesting make of person. But, you know, we could discuss that another time. But the point is, the anime club goers, um, and trust me, I'm not talking, uh, I'm not talking shit about them. I love these people. They were some of like the best friends I'd ended up having in high school. Um, but I noticed that it ended up influencing their art a lot. A lot of the artists, that I knew were in the anime club and they liked, they loved to draw anime. Um, and you would see their art in basically everywhere. Uh, it, well, anywhere that you could uh, find that had an artistic uh, influence that was, you know, whether, whether it be the media arts class or just simple art class in general, you'd always see some form of uh, anime and at this point little you know before me learning about charitability and you know empathy 
<laughs> the first thing I had was resentment because I thought that I differentiated myself from uh, from them so much that it almost became like it it almost like seemed like they were forming like a a hive mind of the same art. I couldn't differentiate anybody's art from anybody else's because they were all influenced by the same source of anime. But one thing to note is that they they ended up branching out from just the Akira Toriyama style of uh, anime and they they started leaning more into what people would consider like the generic type of anime you know the uh the shonen uh type i believe uh actually while i'm on my computer let me confirm that shonen shonen art style excuse me yes yes exactly so yeah uh a lot of people started getting uh, very much into the generic shonen uh, type of anime. Um, the, and uh, let's see. Sorry, um, <laughs> I'm kind of doing like something like on the spot right now. And I noticed that whereas a lot of people like to get into the shonen type of art style. I myself was exploring like my own little unique little thing and I felt I felt a little bit like left out not gonna lie <laughs> hence the resentment because I'll uh, uh, you know I also felt like I was missing out on something but at the same time I was like you know what I'm doing something on my own and everybody else is just kind of basically copying off of each other so there was that aspect of it um that since everybody else is doing it, there's there's a comfort zone. There's, there's a comfort in it, you know? So besides the bias, besides the nostalgia, besides the, the nostalgic connection, there's also that current day connection. These are all things that I'm observing. So, um, one, of the, one of the other things though, is that mechanically, uh, as far as at least faces go, Doing anime faces is pretty damn well. I wouldn't say easy when it comes down to the eyes and stuff like that. But uh, as far as like just doing most of the other uh, features, like you know the the hair being see through uh, the the eye being seen through the hair and things of that nature, um, a lot of people t uh, tended to really delve hard into some of the um kind of inaccuracies of anime and you would see it even when they would try to you know sort of branch out into other art styles like maybe do a portrait you would see somebody uh you know visibly have an entire eye being able to be seen through hair even though it's being covered by the hair it's it's hard to explain so the point that I was trying to make is that there were a lot of um, there were a lot of habits that were hard for these people to break. The uh, the ones who were very heavily influenced by uh, anime, and I noticed that because in college, where I decided to become a computer graphics major, there were a lot of uh, fine arts classes that I would take, and these people would have such a hard time 
mechanically re repurposing themselves to basically essentially draw from the fundamentals you know uh doing figure drawings and uh actually drawing from life it was the hardest thing for a lot of different people um but it was especially hard for well it was a little bit easier as far as like proportions went but as far as drawing a human face some of these people were really just lost and they had to basically unlearn what they learned from childhood and relearn something from its fundamental basis and there was no more drawing uh hetachromatic bug-eyed pointy small nose line mouth having pointy chin having anime faces there was no more of that no they had to learn from drawing from life and that was a handicap that i didn't have as much because i'd taken different influences like Besides just taking away from Bob Raffrey's art style, which already kind of differentiated itself because there were the faces were actually more complete than, um, <laughs> well, I, I guess at least in the renders, but the faces were a little bit more complete than, you know, uh, saying, looking at a, a, a 3D render of a Shin, Shin Megami Tensei character where essentially they almost keep that same shonen art style. Um, yeah, I had different influences by that because I used to play games like Legacy of Kain, uh, Soul Reaver, and Blood, uh, Blood Omen and all that, which um, sort of took a little bit more from actual, like, real-life like char uh, characters like Mobius and Human Raziel, um, you know, things of that nature. Uh, you probably actually don't know what I'm talking about, but... Uh, there, these were fundamentally human characters that I was trying to teach myself how to draw. <clears throat> so when it came time for me to actually, <clears throat> for me to actually try to learn from the fundamentals, I think I had a little bit more of an edge. There was also something in uh, my past that sort of helped me out too, but I won't get into that until I'm actually kind of, you know, explaining a little bit more of how I even got to this point in the first place. But the point is uh, a lot of people ha had this uh, little bit of a struggle and I, I, I was realizing something that um, it essentially like you know handicaps you for a little bit I'm not saying that you can't get out of it but you know you go in with, uh, with this handicap because you know having this kinship towards one uh this one art style sort of fucks you up because especially since you uh you know a lot of pe people who came from this artistic background um ended up essentially almost like what getting influenced by their peers getting comforted by their peers um getting the positive feedback from their peers who were uh engaging basically in the same type of media consumption and therefore the same uh, kinds of uh, kinds of art styles um so basically 
I saw that those three components or those two components, two, three, were the reasons why a lot of people seem to like to indulge in the anime manga art style. And to reconfirm my suspicions, I noticed that on DeviantArt, a website in which you could find many forms of art and also many different kinks, like fucking Vore for some reason. Uh, Vore is a kink where people like to draw people getting eaten or like to draw uh, fat, overfed versions of characters that aren't supposed to anyway deviantart is a fucking rabbit hole but within that rabbit hole i was able to search up different characters that i was interested in and different cartoon characters or what what have you that i was interested in i'll give you an example uh the character jack that i was talking about before the character jack from jack and daxler I would search him up and I, I probably I probably can still do it right now uh, because I'm in fact in front of my computer <laughs> so I can log on to DeviantArt and I still think I have my same username uh, I hope I don't type <laughs> too heavily for you guys but what I'm trying to do is prove my point because whenever I would search up a character like say Jack from Jack and Daxter the first maybe 10 or 15 pictures would be heavily anime influenced which I mean you know to each their own see throughout this I'm trying not to dog anime as an art style because even then that art style is very much varied but what i am trying to demonstrate is that a lot of people have kind of used it as a springboard and not really escaped into like their own unique art style um so yeah <laughs> i searched them up <laughs> and of course as i scroll down about two mouse wheel scrolls uh you know all the kinks come up feet fetish and vor alike but yeah there is a big chibi jack and daxter which is admittedly ridiculously cute but also kind of driving home my point um that it's either chibi or the shonen uh art style that tends to be used whenever uh fan art or anything like that comes up and it starts to become very noticeable uh but again those factors that i was talking about earlier where you're influenced by nostalgia mixed with positive reinforcement from a group of people that you um tend to hang around uh plus just eventual just like habit and muscle memory it equals just you know happening to draw in that one style 
and not being willing to branch out because it's your comfort zone at that point. And there, I apologize. <laughs> and there, therein lies a problem because there are more people doing that than just, you know, individuals, you know, dis distributed out amongst um, a variety of different individuals. <laughs> uh, so when I did reach college, though, I did actually end up meeting a lot more people who were similar to me because the people who were going uh, who were already in my major for more than um, a year or two had been taught about marketability because a lot of people at that point had gone in with the intention of making a career out of their art, which means that they were they were going to sell their art in one way or another. So what that ultimately led them to is learning how to differentiate, differentiate themselves from the crowd. And while it is still prevalent on the internet that a lot of people tend to draw in the anime-esque art style, there were certain people who realized that that might not be the lucrative way to go because I mean, you could even see it now. How am I going to differentiate myself um, amongst the millions <laughs> upon millions of different artists on the internet who like to draw in the same style as I do? You know what I mean? So one example of that from a person who draws completely different than me uh, is my buddy, Matt. I graduated uh, Nassau with him. Uh, I graduated college with him. And I had gotten to take a peek of his art uh, at his art. I first caught wind of it in uh, graphic design one of my graphic design classes. I think it was like graphic two or something like that, uh, where we were doing a lot of um, work in Adobe Illustrator. And I noticed that one of his pieces of artwork came up. And my God, I was so impressed. I had to meet this dude. So I, I eventually got to meet him and I saw him sketching something in the computer lab one day. And it was unique. It, it was it was something that I hadn't seen before. It had a little bit of a little slight tinge of the anime thing, but overall, it was just something like unique, all of its own. It 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 took aspects of like graffiti art, graffiti character art, and mixed it with like Western art and fantasy, with again just that little tinge of anime flair. He varied his line weights. He put these characters in dynamic positions. He the way that he scanned them into the uh, computer and dig uh, digitized them and digitally painted them where he kept the kind of sketchy quality to it. It's beautiful. I love this dude's art. Um, he kind of almost kind of became like a pseudo influence of mine in that sense where he sort of uh, he sort of taught me to kind of really take my art to like the next level and be more confident with my lines and my line weights and things of that nature. So, yeah, if I were to be able to uh, buy his artwork in like a store or something like that, 
I would know exactly who did that piece of artwork as opposed to trying to appeal to just a certain niche, like, you know, appeal to the anime crowd where one piece of anime art or one piece of manga art looks exactly like the other. He he differentiated himself enough where he doesn't even have to sign his name on a piece of artwork because I would know exactly who the fuck drew that. So that would be like the overall like moral of the story the the kind of overarching thing that i'm trying to lead up to is trying to differentiate your uh yourself away from the crowd because there are thousands upon thousands of by the way very talented too like these are quality anime uh pictures that i'm talking about but they still end up looking <laughs> like like each other no matter the the scale of talent uh whether whether or not it would be you know fair you know fairly beginner level all the way up to expert level what's to differentiate your art style from let's say like miyazaki's or something like that or what's to differentiate uh your art style from say uh um or on high school but or something like that i you know (laughs) so my point in all this is one we know how we got there we we know how we got here it's almost essentially an exercise in comfort mechanically nostalgically um and peer group wise but we know how to escape it too. Now you don't have to give up the uh, the anime art style, but you should try to make it your uh, your own. You should try to differentiate differentiate yourself from the crowd. Because if not, you might have your followers, but you may get lost in the ether. <laughs> because there is very little difference between some of these. Um, anime drawings that I've seen lately so in conclusion be different if you want to sell off your artwork and distribute it um I guess that's all I have at least for right now you've heard me ramble long enough and I've got a decent amount of content that I need to edit down now So, with all that being said, this has been D, and until next time, you are always welcome in my corner. Peace.